Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. I've been thinking a little bit about how relationships, I mean, we've just witnessed relationship, right? About how relationships impact the decisions we make. They impact what we do. For example, I, I know some of you are already in this camp, and so you're, you're going to feel me when I say this. I'd like to have a motorcycle. Huh? Oh, I see, I see, I already see hands up, and I didn't even ask. So that's, that's so awesome. Like, man, I want to join that club, right? You know, you, you get to transform literally every ride into something to enjoy. Instead of that mundane ride to work, like, man, you can have fun because you're on a motorcycle. I mean, y'all even, like, have your own secret wave that you do, that, that thing, whichever arm it is, I don't know, whatever. Y'all have that thing, right? You get the, the wind in your face, the freedom of the road, the taste of bugs that nobody else gets to taste, right? The freedom of a motorcycle. And, man, I, I'd love to have a crossover bike because I want to be able to ride on pavement and dirt. And, I, and they're not that expensive, and, you know, they're pretty readily available, but, you know what, it's, it's, it's not those things, it's not those factors that are stopping me from getting one. To be honest, I, I'm not sure I'm ready for one yet. I'm not sure I've matured enough to handle it. Because, see, when I was younger, I liked to go fast. I liked to press those limits a little bit, right? And that's not a good thing on a motorcycle. Like, that's not the mentality you want to have, getting on two wheels. But th- there's something else. There's another significant problem with this because through relationship I have responsibilities now that I didn't have before because another important part of me owning a motorcycle is what my wife would have to say about it and to say the least she's not thrilled and so here we stand I just long to join your club and you know so as I was daydreaming about this my days on a motorcycle and which one it would be and you know maybe it's even a Honda and the helmet and the riding gear the whole thing you know I began to realize that that our relationships affect the decisions we make. Our relationship with the Lord should affect our lives and the decisions we make. I mean, if a relationship with my wife and my responsibility to Eliza influenced my decision with something as simple as a motorcycle, how much more should my relationship with the Lord affect my decision-making and my actions throughout my life? You know, they make a big impact, our relationships. And that is true for you today, too. And so, as we continue in our teaching series today, Jesus asks us a question. Jesus asks us a question that gets at the very heart of this matter. When he asks, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? With that, I welcome you back to our teaching series, Questions Jesus Asked. 
Now, we're in the middle of a four-part series where we're examining a question of the, from Jesus himself, one from every gospel account. And we are often quick to, to ask questions of Jesus. You know, questions like, where were you? How could that happen? We're quick to ask those questions, but how quick are we to sit and consider and reflect on the questions that through Scripture he asks of us? And so throughout our series, that's what we're wanting to do. We want to sit under the weight and the direction and even the influence of Jesus' questions. Because many of the questions that Jesus asked throughout Scripture were positioned at pivotal times in his teachings and within the interactions he's having with people. He often used questions as a way to really draw in who he was speaking to, to draw in the crowd and to get their mind engaged in what he was teaching. And so today's question is really stemming from one of those moments where he wants to captivate, where he really wants to draw in the audience. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Now, now we know that this is one of those questions where Jesus doesn't want to know the reason why we don't do what he says. He already knows, right? Quite simply, Jesus is trying to get us to think. He's using a rhetorical question here to get us to think about hypocrisy. Saying one thing and doing another. What is it about even that word hypocrisy that, that makes us just move a little bit? It, it, it makes us think. It makes us even push away when we think about that word. But yet that's the question Jesus asks of us. Our question today is found in both Matthew and Luke's gospel account, but we're going to journey through today Luke's account. And so if you have your copy of scripture today, turn with me to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, and we're going to begin in verse 46, so it's right there at the tail end of the chapter. So Luke 6, 46 through 49. Jesus speaking, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but did not shake it, could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Last week, we began our series with a question from Jesus, who do you say I am? It was a question of identity. It was a question that Jesus wanted an answer to. And arguably, the question of who Jesus is is one of the most important questions we will ever answer as followers of Jesus. Who do you say I am. And our, because our understanding of who he is lies at the very heart of our relationship with him and our eternal destiny. If in response to Jesus' first question, we identify him as Lord and Savior, then our lives will be different because of that proclamation. The Christian life is essentially comprised of two fundamental responses. First, proclaiming where we began last week, proclaiming him as Lord and Messiah, as King. And secondly, the Christian life is a, about a resulting action, a response of obedience to his word. Both are required for a life of faith. Jesus said quite simply in John's gospel, if you love me, keep my commandments. 
So today I, I invite you, let, let's just imagine for a minute, Jesus pulls up a chair beside you and he asks you a question like this. First he says, hey, uh, I saw how fast you were driving getting here to church this morning. Will you work on that? Sorry, Lord. Sorry. He says, okay. Let me ask you another question. Jesus sitting beside you, he, he says something like this. He says, why do you call me Lord, yet you still lash out in anger at those who cross you? Why, why, do you, why, do you, why do you call me Lord? Why do you say I love you? But yet you still, you still cast out people who are politically different than you. Why do you sing my praise? Why do you call me Lord in these moments? But yet when we get to school and at work, you never say my name. That's the question Jesus is asking here in the text. What, why do you call me? Why do you call me Lord, yet you continue to choose sin? Why? Why? Why do you call me Lord, but we always do what you want to do, and we never do what I say or what I want? Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Am I really, am I really Lord of your life? How would you answer him today? How would you answer him today? Would that encounter, if Jesus rolled up and pulled out a chair right beside you, would that make you nervous? Would that make you nervous? Would that cause a knot to come up in your stomach? Because maybe you know there's just something that he would confront you about, that he would ask you why. Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Perhaps today, friends, perhaps Jesus is calling you to live differently, to live obediently to his word. Let's pray together as we begin to unpack our text. Father in heaven, Lord, we shouldn't be nervous at your presence, God. We shouldn't be nervous at the thought of you pulling up a chair beside us. But God, if there's something in our hearts that's causing us, that, that we've hang, held on to or that we're putting between us, God, will you call us out on it today, Lord? We're giving you permission. Lord, we, we want to call you Lord and we want to live in light of that proclamation, in light of who you are and your teachings and your word and your, the leading of your spirit, God. Lord, this is a serious matter. Will you show us today? May we humble ourselves before you. Respond obediently, God. Open our eyes and open our hearts today as we unpack your text, your word. We love you today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. As we would begin to unpack our teaching text today, uh, I want to begin by just framing it within its uh, proper context uh, both the gospel writers, Matthew and Luke, have this question in its subsequent parable, subsequent story following Jesus' teaching. Uh, in Matthew, it comes in chapter 7. It's at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. And in, in Luke's gospel, we see it at the conclusion of his account of the Sermon on the Plain. 
And so this question comes on the heels of an exposition by Jesus of what it means to follow him, what it means to be a part of his kingdom. Within Luke's gospel, we see Jesus teaching kingdom principles like this. Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. He said just before this question, he says, bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Jesus is expounding, he's helping us to see that what he's ushering in, what it means for him to be king, is an upside-down reality than what we're aware of in our world. He says if someone slaps you on the cheek, turn them the other one also. It's an upside-down reality that he's calling us to. It's an upside-down kingdom. And so Jesus, through this teaching, has expounded the details and and told stories about what this is going to look like, what this kingdom looks like on earth. And from this teaching, he begins to expand. He moves into the necessity of obedience, the necessity of obedience. And that's what's framing our question today as we come into verse 46, where he asks, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? And here Jesus is is asking this question of his hearers. He's bringing in the focus. He's trying to sharpen that, that these are not just great teachings. It's a response. There's a call to live differently if we're going to be a part of God's kingdom. And so we see that within the person answering here, they say, Lord, Lord. They would have gotten last week's question right. They'd have passed the test, A+. By calling Jesus Lord, it means that he's master and ruler and Lord, that he would have complete authority over our lives and that we would be, yes, obligated to do what he says when we call him Lord, Lord. So we got that question right. But Jesus continues because the person that's within this question, we see a discrepancy between what is said and what is done. You see, there's a difference between what this person says about Jesus and how they live. It's plain, old-fashioned hypocrisy to say one thing and to do another. And we recognize within our own experience that drives us insane, doesn't it? Like, we don't keep up relationships like that. Like that because they, it's full of pain, it's full of hurt and frustration when someone does that to us. So we recognize the call to faithfulness, to obedience in the call of Christ. As much as we would anticipate and, yes, expect integrity and authenticity in our relationships, how much more so in our relationship with the Lord? You know, uh, parents, you... you Boy, we, we live this reality, right? Because parenting, we're, we're constantly, it's like one long object lesson on the necessity of obedience and follow through, right? Because like, I can't tell you how many times uh, Eliza will look into my eyes and she'll nod her head that she understands. And within a couple minutes, we're just doing what we talked about avoiding. Like here the other week, I, I was in the kitchen doing something and Ashley was elsewhere in the house and And Eliza's playing on the steps. Now, before you judge me, she was only two steps high, okay? So it was not that far. So she's playing on, like, the second step. And I said, honey, you don't want to fall. You want to be careful on those steps. Okay, you know, just keep on going. Well, we're only two steps up. I'm going to keep chopping carrots or whatever I'm doing. Well, it was with less than three minutes I hear a bam. And then you hear the ramp up cry, right? And I'm like... If only somebody would have told you. 
you see, we have that necessity of obedience, right? We witness this in our daily experience. And for us, in our response to Jesus, sometimes we're going to understand it. We're going to know why Jesus is calling us to do that. But there's going to be other times where we don't get it at all. But we have to trust that calling him Lord is saying, I am giving you the authority even when I don't understand and I might not even like it. But I'm going to say yes because you are Lord. That's the call of obedience that Jesus is asking for here. That's the call of obedience that is required when we call him Lord, Lord. We always obey when we understand and even when we don't. We follow through. We follow through. Friends, obedience to Christ is the only scriptural response that's looked upon with favor from the Lord. It's what our lives must be built on if we're to endure the storm. And that's the story that Jesus unpacks for us next in verse 47 through 49. He, he tells a story of home building, of, of how to construct a house. He says, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, who acts obediently, who acknowledges me as Lord and does what I say, I'll show you what they're like. I'll give you an example of that kind of life. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep. You notice how he uh, includes those extra descriptors there. He dug down deep, did the hard work, and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house but could not shake it because it was well built. But, so we're contrasting He says, but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. They just went out flat on top of the ground and started building. The moment, the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed. And notice the description. The destruction was complete. Within this story, I want to highlight two key perspectives on obedience, two key things that Jesus and his original audience would have had in mind at the telling of this story. First, he's showing that obedience to Jesus' teaching to the way of the kingdom of God is the only sure foundation we can build our lives on. And secondly, I think he's trying to get us to see that obedience, that follow through on our proclamation of him as Lord is the only foundation that will survive, that will withstand the coming judgment of the Lord. I think it's that twofold highlight here that we're supposed to see. Now first, let's look at obedience as a foundation to build our lives on. I have a slide here of a cracked foundation. If you've ever owned a home that has foundation issues, you know well what Jesus is getting at here, right? Like, because when you start to see cracks like this, you've got some settling and foundation issues. And and you can have the nicest floors, the prettiest tile backsplash. Your kitchen can make Joanna Gaines blush. You can have a master closet big enough to have a life group in. But if your foundation is like this, you got problems, right? Because all of that thing that is built up, all of those pretty ornate things we have built up is on a faulty foundation. The foundation of the home is is the lowest point. It's dug deep into the ground, and it must bear the weight of the entire home. And and so what we see here in the story is that if we profess Jesus with our mouths, yet build our lives on the principles of the world, 
if we don't follow through in obedience, the foundation, all of the life we have built is going to sooner or later come crumbling down. The world says, get even. Get it for yourself. The world may say, don't don't give to anyone. They don't deserve it. Don't don't turn the other cheek. Sock them back. Like That's what the world says. But if we build on that foundation, if we don't follow through with what it means to be kingdom people, uh, the life that we build is on uncertain ground. Uncertain ground. This foundation built on shifting soil, on uh, hypocrisy, if you will, is contrasted to a foundation that is dug deep. A foundation that is sure. A foundation of obedience. So here's another picture of what poured footers can look like. So you can see that they've taken the time and gone into the expense to dig down deep into the earth and to pour concrete footers. And and this is a costly and and a hard adventure to do in, in the building process. Because you're digging down beyond the frost line, you're getting rid of the topsoil, and you're trying to get to solid dirt or solid rock. And then they come in and they pour the concrete that you see here. And, and that's what begins the work of the house. It's hard work. It can be expensive. It can be grueling even to complete this task that nobody will ever see again. But everything you build is resting on this right here. That's the foundation of obedience that Jesus is getting us to see. It's within this imagery that he has framed our response to his teaching in this way, that it might be costly. We can probably be sure it's not going to be easy. We're going to see other people skipping those steps, taking the fast, easy route all around us. And we might even long, Lord, why can't we just do it that way? He's saying, no, no, no. Follow me. Be obedient. Do the hard work of obedience. That's the foundation that will weather the storms that are coming. Because, friends, I dare say you've already experienced storms in your life. You know that what your life is built on, what your faith, your hope, your trust, your joy, your peace is coming from matters. And we can get away with it a lot when things are good, right? Like we, we can put that trust and that peace, we can, we can put that a lot of places when everything's good. But when that diagnosis comes, or that phone call comes, what's your life built on matters. What your life is built on matters. The second piece that I think we need to see and understand in this, and I, I wish we could unpack it a little bit more, but our response in obedience the foundation we lay of following Jesus at all cost is the only foundation, is the only thing we can build a life on that will survive the coming judgment of the Lord. Because the reality is, friends, there's another storm coming for every one of us. We don't like to talk about it a lot, but it's God's judgment. And we depend on judgment. We depend on justice. 
But often we're content to want it for other people instead of ourselves. We want the person that we see doing all these heinous things on TV. We want justice for that person. But we want an excuse. We want a free pass when we're the ones that make those mistakes. We long for judgment. And friends, the reality is Scripture tells us that it is coming for every one of us. That we will stand before the Lord and give an account for our lives, for how we live, for how we obeyed Jesus' teaching. How we lived our lives is going to be called into account. And you see, in the Old Testament, there were prophets that had used the imagery of floodwaters to depict the coming judgment of the Lord. And so the first century audience here would have certainly picked up on this theme. That what your life is built on, the obedience that it's built on, the foundation you lay and you live your life by, is going to be what is judged at the end of your life. Whether that's when the Lord returns or when you go to meet him. When we stand before the Lord, it won't just be what we said about Jesus. It won't just be the words, Lord, Lord that he's looking for. He's going to want to know how we lived our lives. We spent all that time in James, and what did he say? Faith without works is dead. We must obey the ultimate necessity of our obedience to Christ. Our eternal destiny hinges, yes, on proclaiming and knowing Jesus, but yes, it depends on our faith and action obediently living out the will of God. So I, I invite you again. Imagine Jesus sits down beside you. 414 Southeast Side Highway, May 8th, about quarter till 10. Storms of life, they're either coming, you may be in one, they're here. Storms of life, Scripture tells us clearly that judgment's coming. And he asks you, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? How will you respond today? How will you respond today as the band begins to make their way up? I think, I think today, I, I feel like our responses are, are going to fall into two categories. How we respond is going to lean in one direction or the other. I think we're going to either lean into independence, a decision to continue to do things our way, to live by the way that feels good, by the way that the world says we're going to continue to be independent of what the Lord says, or we're going to fall dependent on his grace to live as we should. I really think there's a lot of nuance between how we can respond, but we're either going to be independent, striking out to do it ourselves and live how we want, or we're going to fall prostrate and submit ourselves to him, dependent on his grace and the leading of his spirit, that we can live how we should. Independence or dependence on grace. And friends, I, the only reason I'm here today it's because there's grace to change. Because I've chosen independence. 
there was a point in my life I didn't want to be told what to do. I was fine to call him Lord, but just leave me alone at that. Like, let me go live by the kingdom of the world. And friend, if that's you today, if, if you've been pushing back, I need you to know there's grace to make a turnaround. That's called repentance. To turn from the way we've been living and turn towards obedience. And friends, it's only His grace and His mercy that will allow you, that even quickens your heart to know you need to make a change. So the fact that you're thinking about it now is how much God loves you and is calling you to live differently. And friend, I've been there. I know what that's like. You might be on that road looking for happiness and freedom, but... What you're going to find is brokenness and burden. Every time. It might take a while. But you'll find it. It's empty. Without meaning. And you know, the Lord will allow us, because He's given us free will, He will allow us to choose independence, to live free from Him. He'll give us that desire and that choice. But as our passage has shown today, there's a storm coming. There's a day coming when we will stand before him and have to give an accountant for our independence. And you know what? At that moment, he's going to give us our wish. Because as we've lived our entire lives wishing to be free from him, he's going to look at us and say, depart from me. I never knew you. And at that moment, moment it's over it's over and God gives you what you always wanted you wanted to be free from him and when he says depart from me you've got it for eternity you'll be separated from him and friends the Bible calls that eternity hell and there's no more second chances that's why Jesus is saying what your life is built on matters there's a storm coming. There's grace available today, friends, if you want to live differently. Maybe today you know that not in your stomach. You know that call to live differently and you want to respond in repentance. Repentance, again, is when we stop going one direction. And we make an about face and turn back to the Lord. Today, it doesn't matter if you've lived your entire life according to the first script that we unpack, the script of the world. It can be different today. And the beauty about it being different now is when you walk faith steps, it'll be different for eternity. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Friends, what our lives are built on matters. It matters. So what's your foundation today? What's your foundation today? Uh, we're going to pray. The band's going to respond and leading us in one more song. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Today, if you want to repent, that's an old-fashioned church word, isn't it? But it's a good one.
if you would like to repent. Maybe you're like me and you've been choosing independence. Maybe, maybe you've been living two lives. Maybe you've been professing him on Sunday and living for yourself all the while. Friend, if that's you today, will you, will you give your life to the Lord? Will your life obedience, the foundation that all of your life is built on, will you make it obedience in response to his word, to his upside-down kingdom? If you want to turn and live differently today, I'm going to ask you to respond. Not so anybody can embarrass you, not so anybody. It doesn't matter what anybody else says because the reality is every one of us has asked this question. Every one of us has to dig down deep and put our foundation on a solid rock of obedience. So if you're wondering today, will you respond? Will you live obediently? I'm going to ask you, you can either come up front and pray. I will be glad to pray with you. Or you can turn your chair into an altar and just kneel and say, Lord, I repent today. I need you to forgive me from those places where what I said about you did not match how I lived. Lord, I give up my independence today and I take up dependence on your grace. If that's you today, don't miss this opportunity of grace. You respond how the Lord is calling you to. Father, we are so grateful today that, Lord, you love us enough to pursue us. That, Lord, when we're saying, leave me alone, I want to be independent. When we shake our fists in your face, you don't give up. And so, God, the fact that we can unpack your word today, we can call on your name, Lord, says that you're not finished with us. We haven't done so much that we can't repent and turn back to you. And so, God, today I pray that in my own life, Lord, that I would lay down independence and I would take up dependence on grace. And Lord, that you would have full sway, you would have full control, full rights, Lord, to my life. I pray that's our response today, Lord. Moments of seeking. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.